get to the point where you can't actually fail because everything you're doing, you can't see failure in it. You're only seeing progression. going on you're listening to episode 69 of the perspective podcast and i'm your host scotty russell of perspective collective this show is about carving out time to build something for yourself and seeing things from a different perspective i want to share what is and isn't working for me along with sharing my guest point of view i just want to start this off by giving a huge thank you to those who are supporting the show by being a backer on the patreon page With your support, you're slowly allowing me to fund everything that goes into this show like hosting, equipment, and hiring help like Anya to edit the show so I can maintain my sanity. And it takes so much stress off my shoulders outside the day job and everything else going on in life. It truly means the world to me and allows me to double down my focus, provide even more value, and scale the show. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash perspective podcast with as little as much as your weekly cup of coffee. I'm always looking for feedback on how I can add or improve current rewards so I can make sure it's a win-win for both of us. Today, I am absolutely hyped to bring you James Lewis, who is a hand letterer, logo and type designer, social media influencer, workshop leader, public speaker, all at the freaking age of 22. He's amassed an insanely large social media following, and he also manages the popular Ligature Collective Instagram page that's amassed over a quarter million followers. James is wise beyond his years, but his successful hot start right out of university didn't happen overnight, and that's why he's on this show. His incredible story of losing both his parents and being homeless at a young age molded James into this driven individual who combined his passion for creating and surgically finding a need for it in the world. James has an infectious personality to say the least, and in this episode, we dive deep into using your hardships to fuel your drive, how to stand out and present your work, tips for growing an engaged audience, scheduling out time to make shit happen, and that's just a snippet of everything we cover. You can find the show notes to this episode along with a plethora of James's work over at perspective-collective.com slash 69. And if you think someone can find value in this episode, please give it a share on social media. It's because of your word of mouth that the show keeps on growing. And you know, I have mad love for you for doing it. Finally, if you catch some inspiration from the show, create some artwork and tag me on Instagram. I'll give it a share where I post each week's episode artwork at Perspective Podcast on Instagram. Let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by my longtime friend, James Lewis. You may know him from curation of the Ligature Collective platform, but James is just a killer hand lettering artist, type designer, speaker now. Pretty much, he's doing it all. James, what's going on, dude? So stoked to have you here. How's it going, man? It's great to be on the show. You know, I've been a longtime listener been great to see your progression and it's so great to just you know have this time to chat with you and have the opportunity to share what i know with the people around the world we've been connecting for what is it three years now easily and finally this is our first face-to-face talk yeah definitely it's been a long time obviously i mean we're both really busy people we've got a lot of projects going on so 
it's great that we can do this and actually like get it recorded as well. It's really cool. And you're in Cardiff, Wales. Is that UK or? Yeah. So I'm based in Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales. And for those who don't know, that is literally just left to England. Like we're part of the same island, but people tend to not know where Wales is. All right. Well, it's easy for me because you're in the same time zone as Ian. So I just recorded with Ian Barnard uh, recently. Well, so I'm just like, okay, I got this time zone setting down. Nice. Yeah. Ian's an incredibly hand lettering artist. He's doing some great stuff. Definitely. Well, give the listeners who don't know about you a brief Wikipedia page summary about yourself, if you could. All right. So I'm a lettering artist. I do a social media consultancy. I'm a logo designer. I'm the manager of the Ligature Collective, which is an international group of lettering artists. I do hand lettering myself, which is uh, my main go-to thing. I've been pushing this. I, um, I've been pushing like 3D lettering art recently as my main my main go-to. I've been creating videos of the process of everything that I've been creating, and they, they've been getting incredible traction, millions of views around the world. And it's just been so great to share my passion with the world and get such a great response from it. Yeah, man, you've definitely uh, found your niche and you kind of found the it factor. Like Ian has that it factor within his videos. He kind of finds his style, even though his style tends to vary. He still has this overall aesthetic. So what helped you kind of narrow yourself down, not only with lettering, but in the 3D and then making these amazing process videos? You know, How did you kind of find your stride with this stuff? So it's, it's, it's been a long process. Like, um, like when I first started doing like graphic design and lettering and things like that, I was really just trying to please the audience, you know. I was putting work out there. If it didn't get likes, you know, I'd be heartbroken. You've been there, man. Yeah, and I'd go away and experiment and uh, try try again the next day. And it was like that for a really long time. And um, it got to a point where I looked at my feed and then I was looking through Instagram every day at like hundreds of different people who were on the same platform as me. And all of our stuff just looked the same. So I really started to come up with some ideas about how I could sort of differentiate my work in the presentation, in the uh, actual artwork I was creating itself. So that's when I started working on like craft paper. And I started to uh, position the, um, so position the lettering I was creating in certain ways so that when I was posting on Instagram, for example, the 3D lettering, like the angles that I take the photos make it look a lot more 3D. And a lot of people just like, you know, they don't understand that. So it was sort of like a long process of trial and error, figuring these things out so that I can get this final piece that looks kind of rad. But the whole thing was you weren't trying to fit in anymore. You were trying to find ways to stand out. And I think that's what a lot of people get tripped up in is trying to fit with whatever trend is going on instead of finding the best way to, you know, make your own way to stand out and cause a a ruckus, you know, and I I think you've just mastered that craft. Exactly. Yeah, you're so right there. I think it's like sort of the more you jump on everyone else's bandwagon, the less uh, notice you're going to get. I mean, now and again, you'll get like a share on a very big page because you're like, you know, doing something that's on trend. But then after that, what's going to be remembered is the person that started that trend. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but a lot of people are doing 3D lettering these days, and that's incredible. I'm so glad that I inspired them. But I still get a lot of messages from people saying, look at this person copying you. And I'm like, they're not copying me. You know, they're inspired. And that's an incredible thing. Well, and I've seen, especially through your workshops, we could just jump right into that. You've been kind of doing global workshops, in a sense, on this 3D lettering. And it's cool because you share other people's works that are trying to learn through your process, you know. And we learn by imitating, in a sense, Instead of just ripping and calling your own, a lot of people do, you know, give you credit, which I think is huge for people, you know, give credit. 
yeah, and it's been like that's been an amazing process. Um, obviously, learning learning one thing, learning like an art form is something, and then learning how to teach it is a whole other process in itself. So taking the three D lettering that I've been doing. Uh, picking it apart and understanding, you know, how how do I even do this? How am I going to teach this? Did you write down the process? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've got uh, like loads of notes. I've got um, a full like workshop presentation that I do at every workshop. I've got worksheets that we go through. Um, I'm actually going through a process now of um, updating that with uh, some new techniques, some new ideas that I've been working on. Uh, we've got a, a workshop here in Cardiff on Sunday. So that's that's really exciting. All of the seats are fully booked up for that. Good for you. You got thirteen attendees, and yeah, it's gonna be great. I love I love teaching. How did you even land these workshops? Did it start with you doing outreach? Because where all have you taught these now outside of Cardiff? So yeah, I've taught I taught one workshop here in Cardiff. Uh, I've taught in Milan. I taught in Indonesia in like three different places, um, and I've uh, taught in the UK a bit more as well. So it's been yeah, it's been incredible. Basically. First of all, it was a bit of like outreach. I had I was, for years, for like about two years, I was getting emails and uh, inboxes from people from Indonesia, like almost every day. There's a huge lettering scene there, man. Shout out to Indonesia. Massive, yeah. So I got a, I got in touch with uh, Calligraphina, which is a group out there who uh, basically said, if you you know if you want to come out and do a workshop, we'll help you out, and um, that's exactly what happened. You know, I went out, I met the team. There were some incredible people. Huge love to all of them out there. You know, they showed us a great time. We um, got to teach the workshop, and it was yeah, it was it was amazing. And again in Milan, I got to meet up with Aquasumate and everyone who works there, Francesco, and they were just amazing people as well. You know, people out there who are facilitating these workshops, they're um, you know they admire the artists, so it's great to be in that sort of environment. Well, in the success you're having, it's not like this shit happened overnight, right? Like you went to school, but your backstory which I don't think many people know about, truly blew me away. I recently watched your Creative Mornings talk, which I will link up in the show notes for this episode so you guys can see it as well. But share a little bit about your backstory because truly you've been through a lot to get to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. It, it really hasn't been easy, you know. Like I had really troubled childhood. I, uh, I lost both of my parents by the age of 11. And then through uh, circumstances and other situations, I became legally homeless at the age of 14 years old. And as you can imagine, you know, that's a lot of strain on a young child and a lot of stress. So at that point, you know, my my idea of myself and my um, self-beliefs were very limiting. I wasn't very happy with who I was and the situations I was put in. But I always had this sort of um, this drive that I was going through this at a young age so that in the future I could, you know, sort of show people that it doesn't really matter the the circumstances you're born into or what you're into at the moment, like with enough passion and drive, you can still get from life what you want to achieve. So at 14 years old, um, being like homeless, basically the state got involved. They put me in this lodging system where I was um, lodging with a lovely woman, Lynn. And what she would do, she basically had this huge house and she would let loads of um, young kids who are in similar situations to myself come and live there and, you know, she'd cook us dinner and she's just like this uh, mother figure that I think we all needed. And it was because of that sort of environment I was able to get back on track. You know, she inspired me saying, you know, you're going to go to university. You're going to make something of yourself. And um, if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I would be here right now. So that, that was an amazing situation. And then from that, I was able to uh, basically save up a bit of money 
that the state were giving me and I bought a, like a laptop and it was this tiny pink Asus laptop. It was not a good looking thing and it crashed a load, but, um, it was a massive turning point. You know, I was able to create digital content. I've been creating, um, for like social media, like YouTube originally since the age of 14. You were back in the early days of like YouTube creators. And I know it was like with video games. That's the hot thing right now is people yeah, taping, yeah, taping their gameplay. But man, you were making graphics for that way back in the day and getting getting paid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was always quite like smart with what I was doing. You know, I came from like no money, like I'm like literally no money. So, you know, I was that kid on the playground, like selling chewing gums or whatever I could do to make a bit of cash. So then when I um, started getting onto this online graphics scene, I was messaging these other YouTubers and I started making a name for myself there and I was making money designing these YouTube backgrounds. So I started to see then that a creative future was possible because I was able to, I had the smarts to make money from it, but I was also, you know, creative enough to like carve my own path. So you caught a little glimpse of like your future potential and then you kind of learned the whole marketing side, you know, of selling yourself at the same time, which is so hard for so many of us. Like there's that mentality of starving artists, this crab bucket mentality. We want to tear each other down when we see other artists making money. But I mean, you found out at an early age of how to flip and make some cheddar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just, I think it's a realization that like, um, you've got to be like, not just an artist, you've got to be an entrepreneur as well. And you've got to see, you've got to really value yourself. I think that was one of the huge um, turning points for me, basically. Yeah, the sort of the clients you attract when you appreciate your work are those who appreciate your work as well. And they're a lot more willing to pay the bigger money, offer the bigger project. And then that in turn leads to more projects further down the line. What does valuing yourself look like? Because I mean, that could be a vague statement. Hey, just have some value in yourself and appreciate your work. How does how do you go about doing that and then showing that so people can attract that and pay the larger amounts? Like what's that even look like? Time management is a big factor. So if you really value the work that you're putting out there, you're going to be putting into it as much time as you possibly can. Not just because you love it, but because you know that your craft is one of the most important things. So, you know, I was studying graphic design in university and I would spend any time that I wasn't doing that and I wasn't socializing, I'd be creating lettering. And the way then that transmutes into projects is because you're creating all the time. So you're always improving. And people can see that. That's huge value. Obviously, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. So you're increasing value there. And then as a result of that, you're going to get um, people recognizing you, you know, you're going to get appreciation from people around the world and that helps build your own value. So I think it's like a process of continually creating uh, and developing and growing and then showcasing that in the best possible way you can. And being super intentional with any pockets of time you have in the day. I know that's been key for me because I do work the day job and a wife and obviously two cats and a kid on the way, you know, intentional with any pocket of free time. Like how often do you let yourself consume? Do you still play video games? Do you binge Netflix from time to time? Or do you super limit yourself on consuming things that aren't involved in creating or pushing the business forward? So I graduated around six months ago and I've gotten into this sort of, uh, like funk where I'm a bit of a workaholic. So I wake up like early in the morning and I'll have emails and phone calls to do from clients in America. So I'll get those done like straight away. I'll go down to the studio. I'll do like uh, nine till six there. I'll get back and you know, I was just on the phone before I was speaking to you to a client in Israel, designing a logo for him out there. I've got another phone call after this. So at the moment I'm in a stage where the projects keep coming in 
and I want to take on these projects because they're all really, really interesting. So at the moment, like, other than the weekends, it's, it's seriously just cracking on with work. Well, and this is prime time for us. You know, we we grind now, so hopefully we can build something for ourselves that we can pump the brakes before, you know, the the vision of retiring when you're 60 to 62. That's how it is in the States. I'm not sure how it is there, but for me, I don't want to be a victim of that system because I believe there's a bigger way. So grind now and build something for ourselves and hopefully reap the benefits down the road. And you're definitely taking advantage of it. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with what you're saying there. You know, I had a meeting recently with like a business um, business manager. He goes around teaching people business stuff, basically. And he was saying, you know, when we're at this age, you know, you want to be trading time for money. That's, that's where you start out. You know, you put time in, you get money back. But what you want to be building then is value. And what value is, is people recognizing who you are, what you do. So that in turn, you can put out products, you can put out, you know, like learning, online learning courses, things like that. And that brings in the residual income. So like you said, we don't have to be part of that system because we're not trading time for money anymore. We've built enough value that the money is just coming in. Obviously, you're doing client work things that you're trading time for money, but have you looked into doing courses? Funny you say that. So um, next Wednesday, I have like a film crew coming down. We're going to be filming this series of online videos, basically documenting the uh, 3D stencil lettering technique that I've developed recently. Yeah. So... Yeah, so it's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be so, so cool. So we're going to be setting up a few different videos, showing a few different techniques, different ways that you can use the style. And then we'll be setting up like sort of a website where people can go online, share what they've created. Uh, it's going to be awesome, man. So yeah. So is it through yourself or is it through a platform like Skillshare or Creative Live or is this through yourself? So the film crew that are coming down, they want to set up this platform and they're doing it's on like a lot smaller scale than Skillshare and it's going to be filmed in a way that's more cinematic. Mm-hmm. So they, they come from a film background, you know, they've worked on some really big films here in the UK and they see this as like an emerging market. So they've got in touch with um, influencers like myself and a few other like artists here in the UK and we're going to be building this platform together. So yeah, it's really, really exciting. Congratulations, man. So uh, I, I'm just fascinated by how you do this day-to-day thing too. What's the secret for you? For me, it's like at the beginning on a Sunday, I try to plan out my week and the night before I like plan out my entire day to a T. Like, is that how you kind of attack things too? Or Yeah, exactly exactly the same. I can't, I can't go to sleep unless I know what I'm doing the next day. You're not one to wing shit. You can't wing it. No, you can't. You really can't. Especially when you're working for yourself, you know, like It'd be, it'd be amazing if I could just wake up every day and just be like, mm, what shall I do today? But that's just not, you can't do that, you know? Otherwise, you'll get nothing done. So, yeah, planning everything out, like, um, weeks in advance, like, the night before, I'll have, like, a list of everything I want to do the next day. And then if I finish those, I'll have, like, additional things, people, like, emails. Well, and I think it's important, too, for someone who has a day job or just wanting to start their side business, they're not to the point of working for themselves, I think getting in the process where you are scheduling what's most important the next day for your side project or side hustle is going to help you to that day when you do make that leap to doing it full-time because you you jumped right into full-time right out of university, college here. But you know that, that's been huge. But so many people, these are kind of the productivity habits you need to begin working on now instead of winging it each day. Definitely. By like writing these things down and saying, this is what I'm going to do, you're affirming to yourself that what you're creating has value. You're basically telling yourself every day that what, what I'm doing in this period of time is valuable to me and is valuable to other people. And if you can't like cultivate that and if like you don't think it's valuable enough to like put the time in, then yeah, it's going to be very difficult to grow. That's gold, man. You're like 
wise beyond your years, dude. How old are you again for the audience? I know. 22. 22. Man, when I was 22, I was getting fucked up and partying every day. <laughs> I was serving at a restaurant, smelling like tenderloins and just lost in life. So, <laughs> wow, man. Congratulations to you for finding your strive. You got you got so much potential ahead of you. You're, you're barely scraping Thanks, the man. surface right now. Um, obviously, like going through what I went through as a child and seeing my parents um, not live to their full potential, it really did sort of drive me to try and do exactly that and hopefully inspire other people through doing what I love every single day, allowing them to see me as a um, sort of a symbol of someone who can do that. You know, it is achievable. If I can go from, you know, being homeless to an internationally recognized lettering artist and you're coming from a modest background, you know, you've got a nice job. So can you, you know, it's just putting in the time, putting in the effort and... And believing in yourself and valuing yourself, like that's huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In your creative morning talks, you're talking about passion right now, and passion can be a buzzword at times, but I really like how you put it. You talked about the three T's to pursuing your passion, and I would love if you were able to dive into that a little bit more for the audience. Yeah, so the first T, if I remember correctly, one of them was tribe. I don't know what order they were in, but right, let me talk about it. So tribe, tribe is super important. What I mean by that is having a group of people either around you in close proximity or online who are going to be there sort of um, helping you out on your journey, basically. So these can be like like-minded people, you know, they can be artists, designers, um, calligraphers, anything like that. Or they can just be close friends, you know, who support you and who will give you honest feedback. That's incredibly important to any sort of growth because without the ability to bounce ideas off other people, you can't really grow because you'd be stuck in your same mindset, you know? Operating within your own limitations, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the second T was transparency. I believe that, you know, the time for putting out fake personas and um, all of this, like it's, it's not like, it's not happening anymore, you know? People can see straight through it. I say, be as transparent as you possibly can, share all your secrets, do all you can to, you know, shed light on what you're doing so that you can inspire other people. And I think by doing that and having that as a motivation, you're going to inspire other people and you're going to, you know, attract a crowd basically of following. You're going to build your own audience and tribe along with it because people are attracted to people who are open about something, you know? Exactly. And then the final T was trust. You know, it's the most important T in my opinion. You can trust in, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to trust in yourself. But you've got to have trust that what you're doing now has value in the moment and it'll have future value times times a million, you know. You've really got to believe that what you're doing is on purpose and what you're doing is the right thing for you to be doing at this point. For me, something I talk about in a talk that I'm giving, well, I guess in the past now, but why well, I was recorded this week is passion is something you're willing to suffer for. And I got this from my brother, Jason Craig. And that really drove home to me because you're very passionate. It's just oozing from you right now through this computer screen. <laughs> but with the passion, you know, with this privilege of something that we're passionate about comes the adversity and the challenges. So, like, what are some of the challenges you face as you're pursuing your passion daily? But it's not all sunshine and rainbows, you know. There's a lot of shit that goes with the sunshine. Oh, of course, definitely. And there's, um, I think one of the biggest things that um, 
is like so difficult to get over is uh, self-doubt. True. Yeah, self-doubt and insecurity is probably the most difficult thing that you can get over because it spills over into every aspect of your life, you know. And obviously as a freelancer, as any, like especially when you're just starting out, you know. Like when I was first starting out, I was lucky in the sense that I had uh, the Ligature Collective group around me who were there to spitball ideas with me. Um, so when I put out a piece of lettering, for example, instead of me thinking, oh my God, what do people think? I could ask like these incredible artists and they would give me honest feedback and that's what I needed. But I imagine for most people starting out, if they don't have this sort of tribe around them, it can be really difficult to put stuff out there that isn't necessarily what people would expect from them. Because when, when people do things that aren't expected of them, they don't often get the best response. So that can be very challenging. You mentioned Ligature Collective. Uh, I was lucky enough to be voted in back with 10,000 followers. But if you can give a little bit more backstory about how it even started, how you joined in, because I think Jorgen was one of the uh, the initial starters of it. Yeah, that's right. So Jorgen. Jorgen, wow. I've been saying it wrong for like four years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's Norwegian. It's like a Y over there. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, so Jürgen started it in 2013, and um, I think his idea for it was just to be a group of artists, an international artist, um, celebrating lettering and typography, and almost becoming this pinnacle of what can be achieved within typography and lettering. So he reached out through Behance, I believe it was, to all of the biggest typographers, and from that, a big group of us came together, and originally we had this like Skype conversation we were just spitballing ideas about typography, what we wanted to do. Uh, I ended up coming up with the name Ligature Collective because I thought, you know, a ligature in typography, it links two, uh, two pieces of type together. I think that that was perfect for the group because that's what we were doing, essentially. We were linking people from around the world under the common goal of creating beautiful typography. And that was, that was back in 2013. Um, since then, you know, I, early on, I took over the uh, Instagram and I grew that to just over a quarter of a million followers, which is bizarre. It's absolutely crazy. I remember it when it had under 10,000. I was like, yeah, exactly. There early on. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, like growing that, it was almost easy because the quality content that every member of the group constantly puts out just it spoke for itself. You know, people, people would come to the page, they would see the incredible talent and they couldn't help but follow. And it's more than just an art sharing account. It's more than just like, well, good type is growing more of it too, but there's so many lettering feature accounts now and people might think that's what Ligature Collective is and let me use the hashtag so maybe I can get featured here. You know, and it's not that. It's a group of international artists. Yeah, you're right. How many people are in the group too, by the way? 35 members around the world. So we recently uh, set up a website. So that is going to be a platform for us to share knowledge share our skills, our um, knowledge, yeah, knowledge, skills, and tutorials, things like that. So the first blog post we put out was um, showcasing one of the things that I think is the most important, most needed aspect of the lettering community at the moment, and is that is how to present your lettering. Because there's so many people out there producing solid lettering, but you know the photos they're taking are shoddy, which means the Instagram algorithms isn't going to showcase their work. And then because of that, they're not feeling like the work they're producing is good enough. And I get, I get like um, inboxes all the time about this and 
I genuinely, I just send them over to this blog post and they're like, oh, thank you so much. That's the best way is if you keep getting asked the same questions over and over and over again, you need to make a resource out of it. And that's exactly, I'll link this one up, how to present your lettering. I'll link that one up in the show notes too, just for the listeners. Awesome. Thank you. So they don't have to ask you. Yeah. So like going forward with the Ligature Collective now, like we've got a solid, um, solid group of people all around the world. And we want to turn it into this um, centralized hub, basically, for companies to come when they have projects to do with lettering. And then I'll discuss with them, you know, what they want, their needs, their desires, and then hopefully pass on the projects to all the members in the group, you know, because they helped me grow this channel to where it's at. So I want to give back and help them grow and get more clients because I think as freelancers, that's ideally what we're all looking for is, you know, a continued stream of interesting projects to keep us entertained. Well, and you've kind of started the this dope t-shirt project within the group. I couldn't get in it at the time just because of lots of unseen circumstances, but you kind of initiated with some of the artists in the group, um, kind of like an international t-shirt sale. Yeah, that's right. So uh, five members of the League Collective and I, we put together a very limited edition run of t-shirts. And these were all based on like pieces of our hand lettering that like really meant a lot to us. The, yeah, so we only had like 25 t-shirts made of each design. It was super limited edition. We had like um, incredible response, you know, sold out like quite a lot of t-shirts. If there are still some on the website right now, you can head over to ligaturecollective.com forward slash shop. Plug. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. There might be some left. Check them out. It was, yeah, it was a great project and it was awesome to collaborate with people from all around the world, bringing together different styles under the Ligature Collective brand, I guess. Do you have thoughts of doing something like that again in the future? Hint, hint, because I want to take a part of it this next time. I'll be prepared and ready. I th- yeah, definitely. I'm going to plan it a lot more in advance. And I think what we'll be doing in the future instead of, um, so the Ligature Collective project, the t-shirt one was great. And like we did, like did amazing. But I think in the future, what I want to be doing with the group as well. So we could get money from clients. That's amazing. But what I want to be doing as a collaborative project is sort of, making money to put back into the community, either through like charitable organizations or setting up some sort of project where we can, you know, provide uh, assistance, lettering, um, or otherwise to people out there who are trying to, you know, get off their feet and live a creative life. Because I think that's so important. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Going back to kind of your creative mornings again, there was a, a heavy focus of compassion. And you're like me, you're really trying to build something that's positive, inject something that means something into the world that can hopefully encourage other people and uplift other people. So how has compassion played a significant role in your life? And how has this spawned your unity of letters campaign that you started? And I've seen, I believe over 400 submissions for this. Yeah, that's right. That was absolutely incredible. Mind blowing. But uh, yeah, so compassion, if it wasn't for like so many compassionate people in my life, it would be, I, I wouldn't be here right now, you know? If there wasn't like the charities in place, uh, some of the government institutions, uh, the wonderful people that have helped me along my journey, like I wouldn't be here, you know, and it's because of their compassion that has driven me to be compassionate myself. And I think compassion is it's an incredible thing, you know, when you can put yourself in other people's shoes and really empathize with how they feel and then adjust yourself accordingly so that you can best serve either one person or a community that's, I think that's how we grow as, as a collective. So yes, the, so for example, like the unity of letters project 2017 for many was a really, you know, real bad year. A lot of not so great stuff happened, you know, let's not get into it. But, um, I wanted to sort of combat that. So I started the hashtag unity of letters initiative 
to sort of celebrate the unity within the creative community. Because I just know that all around the world, you know, there's millions of like-minded people who come together and share positive things, but it's not newsworthy. So what I wanted to do, like my main goal was to sort of create this uh, Unity of Letters campaign, get as many submissions as possible, and try and either get it on the news or get it on like a big platform just to showcase some sort of positivity. And yeah, up until now, we've had over 400 submissions. I'm working towards um, either getting like big blogs to mention it or um, news sites or anyone really who just wants to share a positive message. I think this would be a great way of doing it. So how do you do that with some type of outreach? Yeah, it's um, basically using my my platforms, the Ligature Collective and Instagram. I um, in, inbox different uh, pages, inbox different news places or email them or just do what I can really to sort of try and get this message of positivity out there. Speaking of using your platform, you've amassed quite a large following. And I know a lot of people in my audience are trying to learn how to build some type of an audience, you know, grow a social following so they can too hopefully make an impact and gain some confidence in the work and make it a full-time project. This is kind of one I didn't plan for, but I think it's important. What are some of the most key aspects that you found in building an online engaged audience? You know, how, what's some of the best ways that you figured out how to do it? I think you said it just then it's engaging. It's, um, you've got to, you've got to engage with these people, you know, like, especially with the new algorithm updates and stuff like that. If you want to build a loyal following or people who want to like build a following of people who appreciate your work, you've got to appreciate them. You know, if they're going to give you the time of day to, you know, check through your work, keep updated with what you're doing, then you've got to give them the time of day to, you know, say thank you if they comment on your message or, you know, message them back. I get like um, inboxes every single day, loads. And I, I go through and I, you know, I answer all of them because when I was, um, when I was just starting out, I'd do the exact same thing, you know, I'd, I'd message everyone. Same here, man. And uh, yeah, it is such a great way of uh, meeting new people, collaborating. And yeah, so I think if, yeah, if you want to grow a following, reach out to as many people as you can and ask them to follow you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's important too, not only getting back to the people who comment on yours, but going out into the lettering community or whatever community is on Instagram, on these big feature accounts and comment there, comment on other people's work. I remember in the last couple of years, you would always pop up when I'm getting ready to comment on someone's work. Just be like, dude, this is dope as hell. Great job. James is already there. All right, like you're already taking the time to proactively go out and reaching out to other people and, you know, spreading some positivity. So that's one thing I've always wanted to commend you on is that you're going out there. You're not just waiting for people to come to you. You're seeking people out there to give them kudos on their work. Yeah. And I mentioned that in the creative morning talk, like, you know, I'd, I'd literally, I'd spend hours just going through looking at work and being inspired. And I'd make a note, like any piece of work that I looked at, instead of just liking, like you said, I would comment on it because it, like in real life, if someone walked up to you and showed you something, and you, you know, you thought it was real cool. You're not just going to like, like it. Like, yeah, cool. You know, you're going to say, wow, that's really cool. You know, I'm actually really inspired by that. I like this aspect of it. So I think it's just like human interaction and taking that sort of online. To get engagement, give engagement. Also, I think consistency has been big for you. Yeah, for sure. Like, so like I was saying earlier with the craft card, it's, um, you want to really hone in on like a visual style. Obviously Instagram is a very visual medium. And I talk about Instagram a lot because I think going forward is going to be probably the biggest um, social media platform there is. It's where the engagement's at, man. You got to go where the engagement's at. Exactly, exactly. So trying to hone in on like a visual style of artwork that you're doing. So whether that's in like the lettering calligraphy 
the typography that you're creating or in the way that you present it. Now I've seen like, I've seen people out there who produce like awesome work. Like it's great. It's not like, like the best work, but because they're presenting it in such an awesome way, like it gets shared everywhere. And just like, like I said earlier, read the uh, blog post, but like I'll give a quick little overview and it's just about like getting the right lighting, you know, taking the time to position the artwork in the right place. Um, I like with everything I upload on Instagram, I go through a process where I'll get, get the right lighting. I'll take a photo. I'll go into Photoshop, you know, I'll uh, adjust the colors. I'll like bring the brightness up and the saturation just to make it pop a little bit more. And I think, yeah, it's such an important thing to do, especially on because, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram. It's so difficult to, um, just to get on people's feeds. And when you're on that feed, you want to be noticed. It's like landing a day job. You know, you not only have to have great work, but you have to present it, you know, in a dope way in a portfolio that pops out against the rest. You know, it's all about standing out instead of just trying to fit in. All right, before we get into the rapid fire questions, because I know you got a busy day. What's one piece of advice you'd give to a creative who struggles starting or sticking with it? Okay, so my, my advice then probably is your mindset defines everything in your life. This is what I believe, okay? So, so basically, if you feel that you failed at something, then that's it. You, 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 know, you failed. You've accepted failure. But if you could see anything that other people would perceive as a failure, you know, say you put out a piece of work and you get zero likes, people would be like, oh, you know, that was, that was shit. <laughs> but if you could see that as a natural progression, you know, a stepping stone to realizing, you know, your true potential, so, you know, you put out a piece of work and it doesn't do too well. Instead of lingering on that fact that it didn't do well, grow from it and see every failure as an opportunity as growth. Get to the point where you can't actually fail because everything you're doing, you can't see failure in it. You're only seeing progression. And by doing that, it sort of switches up your mindset. You're, you know, you're happier, you're more creative. Um, more creative ideas flow from that because you're constantly looking at the work that you've done before and thinking how you can grow from it. That's gold, man. Get familiar with failure, but true failure only comes by never starting or quitting in general. Okay. So that's, that's, yeah, exactly. That's gold, man. Well, let's jump into this rapid fire question. My favorite one. If you were on death row, what would your last slice of pizza be? Oh, it'd be a nice, like vegetarian pizza with like tomatoes, peppers, and a bit of olives on there. All right. Wow. I'm not a veggie pizza guy, but I would try it. You hyped me up on it. Oh, you good. I think I know this one. Script, serif, or sans serif, and not within a utility practical use of a project. Just what would you go off off, off the hip, you know, if you just because you love it so much? Definitely script. Knew it. Thank you. Yeah. That's why you're here <laughs> on the show. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your favorite typeface? You can even plug your own. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, Versa. It's a 3D font that I've been working on now for the past few months. It's, um, it's going to have like 16 layers. It's like variable depth. It's like truly mad. There's nothing out there like it at the moment. And it's a lot of work. But um, yeah, it's going to be great in the end. I'm really excited to get it out there. When you get done with it, give me a holler. And we'll sure to, uh, be sure to plug it here as well as the show notes for you, okay? Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, give a little extra plug. All right. What's coming up on the horizon you're excited to share? You kind of just mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was going to mention the film crew that was coming down. That's incredible. I had um, actually, I'll speak about something else. So I had an amazing offer yesterday about this project in Munich, Germany. They've got like, there's this cool art fair going on. And what they're going to do, they got their sponsor, which is a car company. I'm not going to mention it. And they're going to get like half of this car painted by one um, typographic artist and then half the car painted by another. 
and like I pitched them my ideas and they were really happy with it. So they're just going back to the, uh, the sponsor now. So hopefully that comes true because that'd be awesome. Dope. I'll put a little thought into the universe for you so that that comes true for you. Awesome. 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 Well, we kind of briefly touched on this too, but where can people go to find you online? Yeah, so you could main places check out my Instagram. It's James L. Lewis. You can check out my website at jameslewis.com. And you can also check out Scotty's work, my work on the Linkage Collective. Man, you are on fire, man. I can't wait to see what you're creating when you get into your 30s, man. You're going to be like... <laughs> Optimus Prime, you're going to be way past your prime or going into a new level of prime, dude. You're, you're absolutely killing it. It's so awesome to finally get to talk face to face and meet each other. And it's just been awesome watching your career take off, man. Thank you so much, man. Before I go, I just want to say a massive thank you to Scotty for, you know, hosting these podcasts. You're doing an incredible job of providing such a valuable resource to the creative community. If you're listening, please do, you know, share this with a friend, like, comment, Tell, tell the world, you know, this is incredible. People need to hear this. My man, Thanks, dude. Scotty. I sincerely appreciate you, dude. We'll, we'll be in touch, all right? For sure. All right, take it easy. All right, so there you have it, James Lewis. This dude is absolutely blowing my mind. Like, I had pretty high expectations for him to be on the show. His work is super impressive. It's been awesome watching him grow, but wow, hearing his story today just surpassed my expectations and elevated the mad respect I already had for him. So think about what he's gone through and what he's built for himself. And it kind of puts in perspective just how minuscule our problems are and how we feel so sorry for ourselves at times. But yet we have the ability to respond and control our work ethic, control our attitude, worry about the things we can control and just put our heads down and grind and make a name for ourselves and do what we do and enjoy what we do and what we're passionate about. Okay, We can make things happen in our lives. And James is a prime example. He's 22 and just on an absolute tear. James, I love you, dude. You left me just hella inspired. And man, I'm just stoked to get working on whatever's next, the podcast, a mural, freelance, whatever it is, man, a personal piece. So shout out to you for all that you do for the creative community. And shout out to this week's dose of inspiration. And this one goes to Lisa Quinn. Formerly, you would know her as Lisa Lorick, but she just got married somewhat recently. So congrats to her. And you can find her on Instagram at Lisa underscore Quinn. That's Q-U-I-N-E. And not only is Lisa practically the sweetest and kindest person on this planet, but she's a downright savage when it comes to lettering and illustration. In 2017, she went on a massive tear and ended up going full-time freelance. And in 2018, she's just slaying the lettering and mural game. Like, I'm absolutely just amazed by the insane amount of growth she's just made in this last year especially. She's got a -a one-of-a-kind style and is also one of the rad ladies in the Ligature Collective. So again, check her out at Lisa underscore Quinn, Q-U-I-N-E, on Instagram. If you're enjoying what you hear and you want to support the growth of the show, I have a few ways you can make that happen. The first one is by becoming a Patreon backer at patreon.com slash perspective podcast. I'll save you the spiel, but you heard it in the intro. Your bit of support goes a long way, so thank you so much if you're taking time to do that. Uh, The second way is for you crypto heads out there. In the show notes for each episode, I'll have addresses for Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin donations if you prefer to go that route. And finally, you can leave a ratings and review over on iTunes. You got to leave the review part. If you just heard a a little jump, that was my cat jumping down from beside me. But 
The review only not only helps the show get discovered, but it gives me an opportunity to give you a nice little thank you plug like this week's rating and review coming from Ace the Mad Rapper, Derek Johnson, and he titled this one, Awesome Content. My homie Ace said, Scotty is an amazing talent and very inspiring individual. This podcast has massive value for creators of all backgrounds and even just those people who want to live life on their own terms. And shout out to Ace. Uh, I grew up with him. I've known this dude since I believe first grade. And not only is he a talented lyricist, he's he's a beast with the words, but he's also a financial guru. So check him out. Uh, look up Ace the Mad Rapper. You'll find him. And he's really good about helping you get your finances in order in terms of investing as well. So thank you so much, Derek. I appreciate you, brother. And as I wrap things up, I want to give a huge thank you to my homegirl, Anya Brennan, all the way from Ireland for making this sound so, so good. And a huge thanks goes to Nick Jenkins of Bluka for all the dope theme music you hear on the show. Check them out at SoundCloud or Instagram at Bluka. That's B-L-O-O-K-A-H. And as you finish off your week strong, you know I want to keep encouraging you to show up, keep putting in the work, and keep creating. You got this. Oh, 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 oh,